0: I have to be delusional enough to think people are going to listen to this. It's thunderstorming outside. There's lightning.
1: Hit me with it. Come on.
2: How smart can you be when you have huge mantids?
1: Okay, he, him. Go put your pronouns and go sit in the corner. I'll take care of this.
2: (laughs) It's just common sense. Hello,
0: Bowtie Dad. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well, Connor. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. I'm doing... Doing good on this lovely Tuesday evening. Thank you for making the time to to talk to me here. And just like last time, so for those who aren't aware, Mr. Bowtie Dad was the very first guest on Common Sense. And in that first episode, I did not refer to him as Dad. In this episode, I will still not be referring to him as Dad. So I think I'm going to call you BTD um, just for for the sake of that. But um, today we're hoping to talk more about the stuff that you're really passionate about and the things that you tweet about a lot more often. Um, And one of those things is parenthood. And so if we could just like dive right on in, you recently tweeted about how you started your family pretty young and unexpectedly. So if you could just take us back to that moment, like what were you thinking at the time? What was that like for you?
1: Okay, this was 12 years ago, probably 12 and a half years ago now, 13 maybe. my girlfriend and i at the time were just dating it was exclusive but nothing crazy we hadn't really talked about anything more than just dating and uh we obviously were we're doing our thing but also she was on birth control and i wasn't really paying too much attention other than that and so apparently she was on some antibiotics and she was young she was 19 and she didn't realize that those antibiotics counteracted the birth control and, and basically rendered it ineffective, so the goalie was pulled, and I didn't even realize it. so one day she she says to me, "You know, Dad, she didn't call me Dad, but <laughs> she said hey i'm I'm late, and uh you know, I don't know what to do. I think I want to take a test." I said, "Sure, no problem. I think every guy's first first uh." thoughts are like oh it's fine it can't happen to me or it won't happen to me or we you know we're using protection you know everybody says that so she took a test and, and I'll, I'll never forget it i was literally on my way to work when she called me and she said hey it's possible so we talked you know we on the phone i, I just kind of gave the can answer like it'll be okay you know everything's fine um, no don't worry and, and that was like my five minute conversation just to get me to work where I had an excuse to get off the phone. So I pull in the parking lot. I'm like, Oh, honey, I'm sorry. I'm at work. You know, let me call you back on break or on my lunch or something. And I just sat in my car bewildered. Like (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was, I just, I had no idea what to think, what to expect, what to feel. And I remember I got into work, I went to roll call and, you know, they call our names and they give us our assignments and what we're going to do for the day. And and I just go downstairs to to start work. And I just sit in like the little corner. We had a little corner in our in our hangar. And I just kind of sat there and didn't cry, but I just hung my head like, what am I going to do? So I immediately called my mom, like any mama's boy would do. <laughs> so I picked up the phone, I called my mom. And I said, Mom, um, I don't even think she knew that I was dating a girl. Cause I mean, I had been out of the house for years by that time, and I, I didn't live anywhere close to her so it wasn't any topic of discussion so i said hey mom i'm dating this girl and she's pregnant and it's mine and she the first thing she said was you know it's going to be okay you don't have to get married um you know you and you came from a divorced family and you turned out okay and uh i kind of was like oh yeah you're right you know thanks and and I didn't really know what to say. I was kind of taken aback. I was kind of expecting this like inspirational spiel, but I didn't, like, didn't mm-hmm. get that. And so I finished talking. I hung up the phone and I just went to work. And the whole time I'm working, I'm thinking like, what am I going to do? And I thought back in my own childhood. And uh, my parents were divorced when I was one. So I don't even remember them together. And they always had 50-50 joint custody straight up. Like there was no issues. There was no every other weekend, only in the summer. It was straight up 50-50. We lived in the same town, maybe 10, 15 minutes apart. I went to the same school. I had two different lives, you know, one life at my dad's
2: Mm.
1: and one life at my mom's. So I had a pretty decent picture of what it would look like if I didn't get married. Or what I thought was a, a picture, but I knew kind of in the back of my mind that I didn't want to do that I kind of wanted it sounds cheesy but break the cycle right so Mm -hmm. I went back to my house she was actually um, living with me or staying with me she she lived in the dorm still because she was just a young airman at the time and I had my own place off off base and so she was just kind of staying with me and I said hey I don't know if I want to get, get married right now but i 100% want you and this baby to be in my life. i said, "will you just wait for me and allow me time to make a decision?" and she said, "yes." so i i knew i didn't want to just you know, marry right away without any thought, without any care, without any plan or process. and i wanted to kind of really think it out cuz i i told her, I said, "this is going to be for life. I don't want, you know, i don't want to just get married only to get divorced down the road. Mm -hmm. And keep in mind, she's 19 years old. Yeah, So these aren't like high quality discussions or or at least they're not, you know, in the most mature sense of the words. And Mm -hmm. we didn't even know what we had in our life or what we wanted or anything. You know, we were so young. And uh, I was 23, she was 19. So we wait, you know, eight months goes by. And I mean, she waits for me like an absolute champ. She was by my side. She wanted me to ask her to marry. And she, I remember several times she would kind of just cry and be like, why won't you marry me? Like, what is wrong with me? And I kept saying, like, it's not you. I just want to make sure that this is going to be forever. So we ended up getting married uh, about a month before our daughter was born. And we went to the courthouse after work. uh, I was wearing like my uniform, and she was in uniform, and we just said, I do, and said little vows, and I didn't even have a ring, I had nothing. I mean, we were broke, we were young Mm -hmm. and broke, and uh, we got married, and that was it, and that was when I said to myself, you know, she waited for me to make the decision, it is the least I can do, is stick to my word, and do what I said I was going to do. So, 12 years later, four more, or three more kids, we are... A absolutely flourishing couple and I wouldn't have you know I wouldn't have drawn it up that way if I was the quarterback back in the day I wouldn't have drawn that play but now that (laughs) I have I just I really wouldn't take it back you know I'm sure we would have loved to be traveling the world without kids and doing the the no kid life sure we would have loved that but I felt like it grew it matured us quickly and it grew us together we had no we had no option but to grow together, you know, and then we we had, our daughter was maybe three at the time, and then we had our son, and we moved to Japan, and we were in Japan for six years with no family, with no friends, with with nothing, and all we had was each other and our two children,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it just solidified us, and now it's like we're unbreakable. You know, we, mm-hmm. we can do all these things, and we have a, a severely special needs kid now, and I feel like there's no other way I would want to go through life except with her. So it worked out. I'm not saying it was a, a fairy tale, but it was a fairy tale. But it, it takes a lot of work, you
0: know. It's it's such a heartwarming story. And it goes without saying that a lot of people in your position would not have made the choices that you two made. Um, and you have a lot of beautiful lives that are grateful for that choice that you've made. Um, The point you made about growing together when you're that young, as someone who is both young and in a really serious relationship, that's kind of how I've been imagining it myself. Like, if I were to look back 20 years from now, I'm going to essentially be a kid. And then with my boyfriend, and when we get married forever, just so it's either childhood, college, and then the rest of your life is with this person. There was no melding his life and my life together like every dollar is each other's every win is each other's like every struggle is a partnership there's no coming back together later on and I think some people would look at that and say you're going to change so much how do you know that this is the right person when you're so young I would say you're going to change so much but you're going to be changing with the same like pressures on you Unlike when you meet someone at 30 years old. So arguably right. you, it's more likely potentially, obviously I don't know yet, but I am hopeful. And from what I've heard that that will be the case. So that makes a lot of sense to me. And it's very optimistic. Um, you know, I think a lot of people can say that they're pro-life until they're put into that decision. And so I just would say again, like an absolutely commendable thing that you guys did, but um, what would, what would you say were some of those struggles when you were very young? Maybe money was really tight and you had a baby. Like, what was that like? Was it always difficult or was it really not as hard as you anticipated?
1: That's a fantastic question. So, you know, I'm, I, everyone's going to play up their own struggles, but I'll I'll try really hard not to, I'll just kind of lay out the facts and whoever's listening can see if it's a struggle or not. But, you know, both being in the military is tough, you know. Regardless, then children, um, I will say this: uh, with us both being in the military, and then you know, obviously having a steady paycheck, and she gets maternity leave, and I get a little bit of paternity leave at the time, and we we have housing because we can either live on base or they give you a stipend to, to live off base. Money was never an issue for us. Um, so that's a phenomenal issue that a lot of couples have that we never had to have. Now, would I trade a little bit of money problems to like not have to deploy for eight months and Mm -hmm. miss my family? Sure. But at the end of the day, that huge money struggle was never there. So that was a blessing. Um, with that being said, being 19 and 23 or, or 20 and 24, I think by the time she was born, you don't know what you don't know. And then you also don't know how to raise a kid. You know, you just, you don't, you you try to look back on your own life and you can ask adults for questions or you can ask them for advice, but every kid's different. Every kid is, you know, peculiar in some ways. For instance, my my first child did not sleep, would not sleep. She Mm -hmm. wouldn't sleep for more than a couple hours at a time. She had to have, you know, coddling and rocking and soothing and all these things and and then so that was almost like starting it on hard mode and then the rest of the three kids after that have been easy because they slept and Mm -hmm. so we were used to just assuming that you never slept and uh so we've been kind of lucky thereafter but it's it's hard you know we we were young um immature i guess is an understatement but at the same time mature enough to to realize that we had to do it together and we had to you know parent together as best as we could and with the time that we had together because I was still gone a lot uh, I deployed twice um, with when we only had one child and then a couple more times as we've gotten more children but I mean I remember my daughter was three months old I had to leave I went to Afghanistan for eight months I think it was like 270 days so almost nine months Mm. and uh i came back and she was walking i mean she was 12 months old when i came back she was walking and she did not even know who i was Mm. so i walked in the house and she just started screaming she she's like who is this dude in my house Mm. and so that was rough to to acclimate back to the states, to acclimate back to your house and then to also have your daughter who who you know because there wasn't facetime at the time there was no wi-fi so that wasn't really an option. And uh, it took me months to get on her good side and for her to be able to, to warm up to me and for me to pick her up. And and that's tough. You know, when you're trying your hardest to be the best dad you can be, but your kid just won't let it happen because they're, they don't know who you are.
2: Mm-hmm. And that's a
1: tough thing to, to swallow. So, But the only thing that solves those problems is time and love. Your kids, they sense your emotion. I mean they are a a barometer for your soul so they know when you're mad they know when you're nervous they know when you're scared they know when you're upset if you can humble yourself and and really show the kids your love they'll they'll feel that and I think they'll respond to that positively I've I've been yet to be proven wrong on that one Mm -hmm. so challenging for sure uh doable of course everybody can do it you'd be surprised what you can do when you don't have choice yeah and uh that's really kind of how it went but like i said before we're we're rock solid so and that's what really prepared us for my special daughter
2: Mm. you know had
1: we not had that foundation um when when everything happened with her i mean it it unravels a lot a lot of couples i mean the, the divorce rate in the special needs community is massive i think it's double or triple the the regular divorce rate which is already high enough right And, uh, you know, there's some kind of incentives there and the the moms tend to be really overbearing and the dads seem to be, um, you know, they don't know what to do, obviously, with children to begin with. But then as they grow, then you add like a medically needy kid in there and a lot of dads will just kind of back off and then the moms will take the reins and then it's there's some resentment. And so I understand how it how it works and it drives relationships apart. But we were so cemented by that time that it was just something we, we had to deal with. And so here we are.
0: Yeah, I can imagine the stress um, of a special child, as you were just describing. It's interesting that you said, like, it's typical that the mom becomes overbearing and the dad, you know, struggles and kind of checks out. Do you, Is that the most common thing that you see? And that when there's a special child, the mom becomes so invested and so hands-on with that child, almost too much so. And what do you attribute that to?
1: So that's, I think this issue is not special to the to the special needs community. Mm. I think this is an issue in parents, uh, no matter what, and what happens or what I see, and I even see it in my own. Or or saw it in my own younger self. You know, I I say this a lot to dads that I talk to, like in my DMs or whatever, but women become a mother the minute they get a positive pregnancy test, right? They look at the test, they see the lines. Maybe they don't know for sure yet, but Mm -hmm. then they go to the doctor and they get the blood test or the urine test, and it's like, oh, I'm a mom. Like now it's game on. I got to take care of my body. I got to watch what I eat. I have to, you know, limit my caffeine. I need to stay. They immediately feel that effect and immediately bond with that child. The father does not. I, you know, I'm just going to be completely candid. You never know. There's always that, you know, question in the back of your mind is everything okay? Are they going to, you know, be born? Is there anything going to happen? Is it mine? Is it not? Is it going to be a monster when it co- like, you just don't, you have all these questions in your mind. And then, so you don't get that bonding time that the female does. And then when you have the child, you see it and you're like, oh my God, that's my child. I can't believe it. I'm a father. Like, that's the moment when you turn into a father. But the mom has had nine months to, to bask in that relationship. Mm-hmm. And so females tend to really dive in you know they do the breastfeeding they do the bottles they do the the diapers they they do the feeding for the most part even when as they age and if the dad isn't assertive you will just by default get kind of left on the back burner and it's our responsibility as men and as fathers to insert ourselves into the situation as much as we can so that we develop that bond because it's not like the old days where it's just like yeah boom i got a son he's going to take my name I'm just going to go conquer lands and titles. It's not like that anymore. We actually have to bond with our children. And the younger you start that, the more cemented it becomes. And uh, I see a lot of that with, with young parents or new parents, where the dad just kind of lets it roll. He doesn't want to rock the boat. And the mom's like, Hey, I got to, you know, this is my baby. I got to take care. And then it just ends up being the kind of battle for the dad to get back in. And then, you know, there's video games and there's drinking or you know, all the tropes that we all hear about deadbeat dads, but it it is a thing. I mean, men, men, if they don't solidify that bond and if they don't have that kind of paternal instinct to begin with, and then it doesn't get fostered with a relationship, you know, eye to eye with that child, if they don't cement that they'll they'll find other ways to occupy their time. And it, it's disastrous for the family, you know.
0: Mm. That makes a lot of sense, honestly. And I almost think that, I mean, if you were to listen to a conservative politician or a sociologist or whatever, they would say the presence of a father in the home is arguably more important than the presence of the mother, almost because the mother is guaranteed that she'll be there because of that connection that you described. But the presence of the father has a huge impact on the the child, especially men, but also girls, of course. Um... Andrew Tate would say his dad only showed up once a month. How do I know that? I've watched a lot of Andrew Tate videos. He would say, my dad only showed up once a month. I was scared of him. He was like this larger than life character, a chess grandmaster, and then he left. And so he was just there to be something aspirational and to strike discipline in me. But he wasn't there to nurture, to watch over me, to build a relationship with me. I would think that you disagree with that. Um, So I guess, how do you, as a man and as a dad, how do you strike the balance of discipline and letting them grow up themselves, but also like nurturing and creating really strong bonds with your kids?
1: Yeah, so (laughs) I disagree. Absolutely. And the, the, the really the crux of it is you can be both. I know everything is polarized in 2023, and Twitter and the algorithm, it, everything is polarized. But you can be both a successful parent and an accomplished man. Those don't have to be two separate things. No, I'm not a chess grandmaster. I mean, I do have like an 1800 elo. Like I'm not bad. Oh, that's very good. I'm not. I'm <laughs> not. And I did win trophies as a kid playing chess. No, no big deal. State champion. No big deal. But. <laughs> But the point is, is you can be a father, be in your child's life and be successful. You can. Now it takes a a family. Your wife has to, my wife supports me to death and that's her her greatest. She, she derives uh, fulfillment from supporting me. And that's um, how I'm able to take TDYs and climb up the, the career ladder and
2: mm-hmm.
1: do my thing. But also she gives me time with the kids. She doesn't try to uh push me over or get in my way. She doesn't say, oh honey, you know, I've seen parents, in fact, my my stepmom and, and dad growing up, my stepmom would would, I would literally be like, hey dad, can you play catch? And she'd be like, no, he's, you know, he's busy with me. And she would just hmm. try to monopolize his time. And I've seen that in, in a lot of marriages where the mom almost gets um, not jealous, but maybe uh, possessive of the father, so to speak, when he's not at work. And then the kids kind of get put on the side. So if you have a strong family and everybody's intentions are pure and their goals are, are in the right spot, you can be accomplished and be a father, present father. I mean, there's, there's no, no, no question that's a possibility. Um, yeah, sure. I, my, my children are disciplined. They know dad when he raises his voice, that they know that I mean business and they know that my punishments stick and that I don't change my mind
2: mm-hmm. and
1: that, you know, all these different things. So they still get the fatherly aspect, but I don't need to, like, beat them into submission or take them out of the home and sit them in a hotel room playing chess for 12 hours a day in mm-hmm. order to get that effect. I've I've watched a few videos myself. But... <laughs>
0: I'm more of your mindset, obviously. Um, And it's really interesting with both you and your wife being in the military. And so with the deployments, I was wondering, do you always time them to be one of you is gone while the other is at home? Or does she not deploy as often as you do? How does that work?
1: Yeah. So she um, has has made it known to her leadership that she is a mother first. Mm. Now, I'm in the Air Force, right? So the Air Force is a little bit different than other branches in that they will have a little bit more of a soul, so to speak. So let's say there's a tasking that says, hey, we need a, a person to deploy. They'll be like, hey, you know, Mrs. BTD, do you wanna go? And she'll say, oh, you know, I really don't. <laughs> and they'll be like, okay, well, can Mr. BTD go? And she'll be like, yeah, he could go. <laughs> you know, because she knows she can stay home and I'll go. Well, you know, we're the same job, so it's it's a little bit easier. Now I know families have had it way rougher than me as far as both being deployed and kids going to the in-laws and things like that. We have been very fortunate, especially in the special operations community. They're they're kind of a family first community, and they realize that the job is hard and it's demanding, but the families need to get taken care of as well because if the if the person is thinking about their family and not in the right headspace then they're not going to perform at work mm. so i think they realize those things and they try to do their best to accommodate so yeah my wife's had a deploy you know she's had to go tdy but we've never had to go at the same time and we've always kind of she's always kind of let me take the reins on that hence mm. why i've been able to progress and she's uh, a little bit behind not behind but just behind me So
0: Well, you know, that's the wage gap for you. So makes sense.
1: Hey, Um, you know. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, It's really interesting that you bring that up because I was actually talking to one of the vice presidents at my company and he was saying that, so basically COVID really limited the amount that we travel. And typically in my industry, we would be traveling every single week, Monday through Thursday, and you would only be home Friday, Saturday and Sunday night. And he said, you know, bringing up going up through the corporate ladder he never thought he was gonna stay for vp because one of his vps told him his wife was essentially a single mom because they were Mm. literally only there on the weekends and then they would have client dinners and go play tennis and like they would not Mm. prioritize the kids and so effectively the mom was a single mom because the husband was never there now if you throw in that that mom also has a career which is very Typical of, you know, boss, babe, power couples. Then the nanny is the only one that's taking care of the kids. And so I was talking to this VP and he was like, I mean, COVID made this job possible for me long term. So it it was just an interesting thought to me because that was so accepted. Like a lot of people are very powerful career men and women. And like they, they put up with it. And so it's like, I just don't know how people do that. And you guys have a balance where you're not gone very often. She's always at home. You trade off. You're with your children all the time. Like, but some people, some dads were totally fine with that. I don't know. It's just an interesting.
1: Yeah. That's why I have kids.
0: That's my question.
1: (laughs) Well, I, so I understand the want to have kids and I think, you know, females, especially and, and men kind of you know, we don't like to admit it, but if, if the female, if we feel like, you know, the female would make a great mother would be a good, is, is already a good spouse, men are kind of like, hey, man, if if I feel like she's going to be a great mom, then I'm down. You know, we really don't, hmm. we really don't question it that much. And, and I'm speaking for myself, but I think I'm, I think I'm closer to the average on that, but it's really like, as the temperament of the woman that I married or the woman that I'm with, is her temperament such that, I can see her being a mother and a wife, and if so, then we're we're fine with having kids. Um, now, once the kids come and we realize it's a lot to do, and and you know, we we decide what kind of role we take as men. Hopefully, they take an active role. But I I agree with you. I can't I can't imagine um, continuing to be gone that long. At least with with our profession in the military. I mean, I, like I've been. I think I've been deployed. I want to say like 1,200, 1,300 days uh, since my children have been born. So it's it's not a small amount, but it's a large chunk and then it's a lull for a little bit or maybe a couple of days here and a couple days there, but then a large chunk and then a lull. So it's doable to rebuild those bonds and to, to rebuild those relationships when you have some time home. But to be gone Monday through Friday and client dinners and tennis and then to throw in like the sports ball and the fantasy draft pick nights at B-dubs. I can't imagine, but that's another kind of deal that my wife and I have is, Hey, when you're home and you're not deployed and you're not gone for work, you are home. I don't, I can't stress it enough. I don't, it's not that I don't socialize. I just don't have pool league and I don't have, you know, fantasy football night and I don't have extracurriculars I take a ton of time away from my kids because when I'm home, I'm home. That's the only time I have, and I can't get it back. And you only have, you know, a few years to really cement those traits and those characteristics and those that discipline you want in your kids. So you have to take advantage.
0: Totally, totally. You're spending like very purposeful quality time with your kids, and I know, just speaking from my own experience, my dad hated being away from home. Like he would like his job. It was very stressful at times, but he wanted to come home and be with us so bad. And that was always very clear to me. So even when he wasn't there, I knew that, you know, we were the biggest priority in our in his life. All he wanted to do was hang out with us. It seems like for a lot of these other men, that is not the case. And the kids feel that. And I went to kids who I went to school with kids who a nanny picked them up, a nanny made them dinner, a nanny made helped them with their homework dad was there to tuck them into bed maybe. And that was it. And that was just their lives. So it's, it's just totally different. I'm not going to speak ill of people that have different life choices than me, but I do feel very badly for those kids. And they, they, a lot of them had very difficult upbringings because of it.
1: So it's, it's funny that you say that and, you know, and I think there's kind of a, a chasm forming or maybe not forming, but it's, it's, underpinning the jungle in that there's some people that are like dude if you need to make the money like make the money if you can throw money at a problem just pay for it and it'll fix itself
2: mm-hmm. and
1: then there's another kind of corner of the jungle that's like well maybe there's a there's two ways to skin this cat and and i'm not gonna, here to say what's right or wrong i know i've seen well-adjusted kids from both sides you know i, I think we all know which kids fare better but that What's, what's mind-boggling to me is that I at least, you know, and say what you want about the military and the woke and all this stuff, I get a sense of purpose from what I do, right? I get a sense of purpose. I Okay, the mission, yes, you know, the, the aircraft piece and, and when you rescue a hostage and they, you see them come on your airplane and you know that you were a part of that mission, like that's, I get a lot of from that. But another aspect is the, the mentorship piece. You know, I have young men and women. I am responsible for developing. I'm responsible for how they come into their their own. You know, they're 18 years old and I, I have to teach them how to do laundry and how to drive a stick shift, and how to turn a wrench and how to, you know, tone their hair and shave their face. I mean, it, it sounds corny, but you're taking a, a kid and turning them into what you want them to be.
2: So Mm -hmm. that is
1: another piece that I get satisfaction from my job, right? I can't believe that you would trade all the time just for a dollar. Like to me, Mm -hmm. that doesn't make sense. I understand that the dollars give you so much. Like I I understand Grant Cardone takes private jets with his kid who's doing sales calls for him. Like I get it. And it looks great on TikTok. And it (laughs) looks great on YouTube. But I... If I wasn't doing what I'm doing, I don't know if I would be as driven, especially if it took time away from my family, because that's kind of the point where I'm like, man, if I'm not doing something that I can get behind, I don't know if it's worth it, but that's just me.
0: I totally agree that this is a divide in the jungle. And I saw Cernovich tweeting about something similar where he was saying, eventually, for some men, the, the hunt for money becomes the game in and of itself and they're just married to it that becomes their full focus and it's actually really interesting because I was talking about this with my boyfriend when we were just starting out dating and he was like you know you always I can see right away that you've got something to prove you've got this chip on your shoulder in school when you're talking to people like it's so clear that you just have this will and this like really strong urge to make something of yourself and he's like I wonder if that will ever abate, like you'll ever be content or satisfied. I and mean, we've only been dating for like six months. And So he, he said that to you? He said this to me. and Okay. And, and like very truly, like I absolutely do have a chip on my shoulder. I think to find the jungle, you kind of need one. And I don't regret the fact that I have a chip on my shoulder. And I would say that's it was built from a variety of things by growing up kind of where money was really tight in a really rich area getting into a really preppy school where again, you're the the kid on scholarship and everyone's going on crazy spring break trips and there's no way that you could do that. Being on Zoom because of your dirty blood when you first oh, start oh. your new job, like all these right. things compound to like, yes, I absolutely have a chip on my shoulder and it makes me want to be ambitious and to just prove them all or not even prove them wrong, but just like I'm powered by spite is how I would say.
2: Sure, he's that's saying a powerful that motivator.
0: It's powerful. Like eventually, though, you're gonna make it. He'll say this to me, and then I worry that you're never going to relax, or like there's always gonna be some stressor. There's always gonna be something in the back of your mind that is driving you when you're at the top of the mountain. Now it's time to just like bask in the sun with the kids. I mean, he was telling me this early on. He still feels that same way, and I completely understand what he's saying. Um. I don't really know how I got on that tangent, but well, now, well, so
1: now I need you to answer something for me (laughs) with your boyfriend's uh, analysis of you. And you said, you know, you certainly do have a chip. Do you feel like bow tied commoner when you have a child or even when you get married and when you're quote unquote on the top of the mountain, do you feel like you're going to be able to bask or do you understand yourself and in that you won't be able to like where where are you at
0: i think that i already know that i won't want to give up time with my children and that's what a lot of this effort i'm expending right now is for i don't see myself buying a lot of fancy purses i see myself as like buying time with my children but also like with my parents who live across the country, like getting them into an apartment close to us, like those types of things that money can buy, getting into a house, not worrying about the mortgage. So we have easy family dinners, like all those types of things. Um, That's what's really driving me right now. I think when I have kids, I will need something to work on and tinker with. But that's, again, why I'm doing this. I don't want to be beholden to a company in meetings that they can drop on me at any time, getting pings from Microsoft Teams at 10 p.m. Like none of that anymore. Definitely don't want anything about that. But um, I will always need something to work on. But I think once we get to that kind of financial security level, I will chill out.
1: Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, I'm glad that you know both, two things. One, that you know that about yourself. But then number two, that you're willing to say, I think this is what I'm going to do. But you also realize that there, there is a goal and there is a mission. And the mission is children, getting the family close to the children, you know, having a stable home for the kids to thrive. Those things are worthy goals. And if you have to work, you know, I people could just get so salty on Twitter. And I'm just like, guys, this is this is it's not that serious if if Mm -hmm. both parents have to work for a time to provide a decent structured safe home it is what it is if you have to send your kids to public school for crying out loud it is what it is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it 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 can work and you can have the things that you want if you work hard enough everyone wants to talk about you know your work ethic with wi-fi money but that extends to everything in your life your fitness you know obviously the jungle's big on fitness People can have a six pack and a job and a family. I mean, there's, <laughs> I see men in the jungle all the time. It's crazy. They're, they're in incredible shape. And I'm just like, wow, I, I unfortunately screwed myself and I'm getting back there, but you know, it's, it's achievable. You just have to work hard and it is what it is.
0: I think it's such a good point that people over index on things like money and aesthetics and like, especially for men who are. Climbing their way out of some bad decisions. So I'm picturing a guy that played video games all throughout high school, is a little overweight, not good with women, doesn't have a good job. He stumbles into the jungle. Oh my goodness. All I need to do is get a six-pack, get a sales or tech job, and the woman will come falling all over me. And he just gets obsessed yeah. with the aesthetics, with the, the money, and like it's it is hollow. It's you're For sure. the, the goal is not to look stunning and gorgeous, and to sleep on piles of money. The goal is to be successful enough, to provide for your family, and to have that time with them. That's what I really see it as, is buying time. And I completely agree with you that that message gets lost.
1: Not only is it buying time, right? But it is, it, you have to model the behavior that you yeah. want your children to grow up in to emulate. you ha- There's no. Your children have no other way to see the world but through you. Yes, they go to school. Yes, they eventually grow up and go to college and get jobs and they see other people. But what they go back to in their mind is what did my mom and dad show me? How did they live their life? And if it was successful, your, pa- your children don't care how much money you have. Yes, they want a phone, you know, a cell phone and they want a car maybe when they're 16 or they need a stable home and maybe a college education or some. But what they really want is for you to model good human behavior. That's what mm-hmm. they want. Mm-hmm. So a dad that has all the money in the world but cheats on his wife or a mom that has all the money in the world but is neurotic and and just anxiety ridden and yelling at the kids and the house has got to be spotless. The kids remember that more than they remember any of the presents,
2: any Um, of the toys,
1: any of it. And so, if you can do those things, if you can have a stability like you said, and model the behavior that you want your kids to emulate, you're golden. mm -hmm. But it's hard to model the behavior when you're chasing the dollar too. I mean, relentlessly chasing. I'm not. I'm not hating on people that chase. Like I'm not at all. But there is a balance for sure.
0: Yeah, I think you have to keep the goal in mind and, like, the purpose behind it 100%. This conversation is making me think about raising girls specifically because, you know, in some place like the jungle, you see a lot of super conservative values, which I am a proponent of, where the mom is closer to the kids and is stay-at-home. What do you, and I mean, you have three daughters, what do you give any advice in regards to that. Now they're so young. I'm sure you're just like encouraging them to pursue their interests and play sports and all that type of thing. Do you, would you advise them one way or the other to go career woman or to go stay at home mom?
1: So I think, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, I can't quote, but I'm going to paraphrase for Ocidon for a second. And he says something to the effect of, you know, the best people, are people that used to be degenerates and then (laughs) fix themselves right Mm
2: -hmm. and there's a
1: lot of truth to that there is a lot of truth to that there is something to be said about people that have gone out into the world and experienced things to the fullest and then came back you know the the code of many colors so to speak or the Mm -hmm. the whatever the parable of the lost son whatever there's so many parables but when you go out and you you know you go down the rabbit hole and then you come back, I think it makes you a more well-rounded person and you have more to give your children. I'm not saying that, you know, the hardcore conservative families don't, that's not what I'm saying, but you have a different view of the world when you can say, I came back from the worldly things and now I'm here because I realize how important it is. And you're not really doing it out of a sense of duty. Because that's just what my parents did and that's what their parents did. You're doing it out of, like, I understand now through my own experience that this is the right way to live. Does that make sense? Mm,
0: that makes total, total sense. Um, it's interesting, like, I think that is what I am going to do to with my children. I think. Because I have lived... I'm 23, but I have lived some, some craziness in my life back, sure. back when I was fun, back before I found the jungle. Um, yes. I went to school. I studied hard. I started my big girl job. And I think the biggest lie that's ever been told is that your career is going to be fulfilling to you more than bringing new life into the world. And I can figure that out within one year of making PowerPoint slides.
1: Facts. Um, <laughs> my wife would tell you the same thing, and she is a quote unquote career woman, right? Yeah. I've I've begged her. Listen, we have sat on the couch, and I have begged her to get out of the military,
2: mm.
1: honey. Honey, I will take care of you. It's fine. And she says, no. She she wants to be in. She she likes that. She gets to be a part of a team and you know have a mission so to speak and and all and the, there's some things that she really enjoys about it and and especially she knows that if if she does 20 years and I do 20 years um, and we control our expenses like we we will never we will never have to work for the rest of our lives, right um so that's that's a that's quite a good deal if you're 38 you know my wife joined at 18 yeah I joined at 20 I'll be 40 and she'll be 38 and we'll make well over six figures to do nothing like to just wake up and that's yes it comes with a lot of sacrifice but in her mind she's thinking like man this is kind of like the long game in that if I do 20 years I'll never have to and she will never have to lift a finger again ever right and and for her, that's a good deal. And I'm I've, I've like I said, I've, I've tried to convince her. I've laid out the money. And, Honey, we can make it work. And she wants to be on the team. So I'm not going to take that away from her. But she also knows that I expect the family to come first because that's just how we decide to run our house. And uh, so we both are kind of like in the service, but yet her family comes first. So you can't have it both ways, but it's tough and it's a lot of work. If, yeah. Uh, if you want it bad enough, it'll happen.
0: Another thought that this brings up to me is like, how do you explain that to a teenage daughter? Um, I have a really interesting story that I'll hopefully will not be doxing, but I have a friend who is very religious, but she's also like brilliant. So she got into every law school in the country, um, but law school and working for a big law firm, is just so not what is expected of her. And she's devoutly religious and she wants to be a part of the church and wants to have a husband that is from her same religion. And it's she's in a really tough position because she earned everything that is coming to her. She earned a spot at this law school. She would make a fantastic lawyer, but at the same time, it's not what's expected of her. I think smart girls have it tough in some ways because you do feel like you're giving up something um and I don't I don't know what the right answer for her to do is if she does go to law school she's signing up for hundreds of thousand dollars in debt and then she doesn't have the choice anymore she has to do it.
1: so I don't know yeah that is a that is a very tough sell to these women um, I mean, how do you I don't know. I first of all, well, I can't imagine saying anything other than to my children than honey, you can be what you want to be. But here, let's right. lay it out. What what being you what you want to be is going to look like, you know, you can have those discussions. But to just, you know, relegate your kids to a certain futures. I mean, that's not let's be honest. But I understand the pull because it's like, hey, the mom's probably thinking like this is a great life. You know, I, I love my children. I have all right. this time. I, I live a fulfilling life and I want that for my children I get that, but, uh, you know, you're, everybody's different and every kid is going to go their own way. And I hate to say it, but I've seen a lot of those super religious kids rebel and go the total opposite direction and become worse. So I, it, there's no, I don't think there's a secret formula, but I do think that, um, I guess what I, what I would say is, is there a way to be a lawyer, but not be the, you know, top lawyer? Is there a way to be mm-hmm. a lawyer and be a mother? I mean, I, I, I guess I don't know, but I, I feel like it's possible. So I guess maybe she could get some fulfillment out of her career and then also get the fulfillment without the whole nanny spiel, like still do it maybe part time or open up your own practice where you can dictate your own hours. I don't know how it works. But I feel like there might be a solution.
0: Yeah, it's just an interesting conundrum uh, for girls. And like, I've had my my super based professor. He would always give like always ask those questions, especially of the girls in his class, because he thinks you're in a, a tough spot. Like you're supposed to just give it all up. Um, so it's like, why did you invest the time? For the past 15 years to get into school to do all of this just to hang it up Um, it brings up another point that like me so I made a video about this but going to school people think the most important thing is what you major in and what school you go to and what you're going to do after I mean if you're planning ahead some people just go to have fun some people major in ridiculous things I would argue that the most important thing if you are going to college is to find a husband, if you are a girl. I stand by that statement. Like (laughs) a thousand percent. That would be so insulting to so many people. But when you look at what it's like to be single in 2023 in one of these big cities and you're turning down the ability to find a guy in a hyper-selected pool of smart, Uh, ambitious, similar men, so again, another tangent, but another lie that women are told, like, I don't know.
1: No, I so I'll, I'll relate it in the only way that I know how, and I'll relate it <laughs> to my own um, sphere in the world. Yes, it's not college, but it is another place with
0: Similar. highly
1: competitive males in a controlled environment that are there for only a few things. And one of them involves, you know, procreating. <laughs> like they're at that age you know and uh, so and I will tell you it's funny that you say that because I asked my wife I said hey you know what I think the mil- I don't know the military I think something like 80 20 or maybe like eighty two, nine eighteen 18 public math uh, men to women male to female ratio and uh I asked my wife I was like well you know why me so to speak and she said you know, I asked around, and I asked who was the best, <laughs> right? And that, and it sounds corny, but it's not really necessarily about like a money per se. But it's women tend to like men that are liked by other men. Mm. So if you can go around and ask other men who are going to tell you what what they feel because they're not threatened because you're not another male that's asking them. But if you say, hey, uh, you know, who's the best X, Y, Z? And they're like, oh, it's D," And then that kind of put her in my orbit. And then that's how it started. But I feel like it's almost similar in the college situation as far as like you can see what their majors are. You can see what how they're doing in class or how they maintain their physical fitness or how they do their homework. Like You get a glimpse into their life that you're not necessarily going to get later on when They might have baggage or they're Mm -hmm. older and they might have all these like solidified habits and like, Oh, I can't have you over because I really like to watch, you know, the office every night at seven. (laughs) I I don't know, but I agree in that. There's, I don't know of any better time and place because everybody's kind of there and you get a glimpse behind the curtain where you may not ever get that deep behind the curtain without having to commit later on down the road. Does that make sense? Yes.
0: Yes. That totally is exactly right. Like you can, meet so, so many people and get to know them so well in a way that you will not be able to when you start working like I haven't made a serious new friend since moving to the big city and starting a job because I don't have the time I have my four friends that I already like I'm gonna just keep seeing them so it's like the idea of meeting someone and developing a good relationship like it's so much harder when you are in the real world So I just think that there should be a greater onus, a greater message to both sexes that, hey, this college thing is like the best mating ground you are ever going to have. And you should think about that before you go. Anyways. No, so
1: real quick, real (laughs) quick. It's funny that you say that because I, I literally read through Twitter and, you know, people like I think Headhunter put out a post today and then CEO puts out posts all the time about like, and even Bull is like, don't tell your coworkers that you're married or that you have a kid Mm. or that you have a house or that you drive a car. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, what the fuck do you all talk about? like, (laughs) like, what the fuck is going on? The manager is totally different. It's like, hey, we're going to sit you out in this parking lot or this field and we don't know when we're going to pick you up and there's you and 10 other dudes and it's like... (laughs) Hey, man, if you got to sleep here, cool. If you, if we pick you up later, cool. We don't know what's going to happen. So, hey, just, you know, just sit tight. And there's nothing to do but learn every intimate detail of everybody's life. So when I read through Twitter, I think to myself, like, the private sector seems like a hellscape oh. to where you cannot talk to anyone. Everyone is a robot. <laughs> Everyone is trying to, like, use something against to you I mean it just sounds crazy and you're not helping that because you're <laughs> pretty much saying the same thing so well
0: I just so I don't think people would like use it against me I just don't want to like waste the time I have enough things to do it's not worth the time to me which is probably short ter- short-term thinking to be sure but like I don't want to play online games or trivia or like have long, in-depth conversations when I have 15 hours of work to do today. So, I think that's aspect. I don't think telling anyone at my company that I'm, like, getting married or going to buy a house would have any, like, serious impact. Um, I have not noticed anything like that. Mr. Bull, okay. he probably knows more than I do, but I don't know sure. how, what that would do. Yeah. But it does, they do make it seem like a hellscape. It is a hellscape.
1: <laughs> well, that's awesome.
0: <laughs>
1: it didn't that did not uh make me feel better. But
0: yeah, I've noticed right. that like my personality is becoming more bland when I'm in the office. Um I'm beca- oh, I'm I'm homogenizing with the other people on the team in the office. We are starting to use the same vocabulary, like mm. it bothers me so much, and I find myself when I say those words that are just so not human talking to like my boyfriend or my friends, I'm like, stop me. Don't let me say that again. Like, it was, uh, like things like, um, does that resonate with you? Who the fuck says that? That's not a human Yeah, sentence. no,
1: yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. That's funny that you say that. And, uh, I, I'm not looking forward to it, but yet I am at the same time. You know, I just want to see what it's like, but every time I read a tweet, I think, uh, again had a viral tweet. That's like, all caps, like, your co-workers are not your friends. And I'm like, dang, that's my only friends. Like, the only friends I have <laughs> are my co It's a totally different life. And I hate to be the contrarian about everything, but I just live in a different world. And you ask anybody that's been in the military, they're like, yeah, man, like, you just, it's nothing to go up and ask somebody like, hey, bro, how much do you pay for your house? Like, what'd you get it for? Then they're never. like, oh, I paid 249000 Like, it's just, it's, it's just, it's not a thing and you can ask like hey what's your wife do what's your kids do and how how, like there's no questions that are off limits none because all you have is time and all you have is the brotherhood
0: I wonder if that's a function of you guys all starting young as well and like growing up through the process through the mentorship that you were describing so I wonder if that like really makes the bonds tighter it probably does and that's probably by design you mentioned that you're like a contrarian in the jungle and one thing i'd like to get your take on that i see all the time is that public schools are yet another hellscape don't send your child there it's disaster and repulsion everywhere i don't know if you send your kids to public school what has your experience been what are they learning are there drag queens can you just like report from the front lines for us
1: okay so <laughs> I literally put a tweet out about this today and I thought Queen Bee was gonna eat my lunch when I put it out. Cause I was basically saying, like, well, there was some loser that was like, if you love your kids, you'll homeschool them. And if you hate your kids, you'll send them to public school. Oh, jeez. And so I quote tweeted and I was like, This is ridiculous. My my children go to public school, right? And they they literally say the Pledge of Allegiance every morning, facing the flag, hand on the heart. Like that's what they say. They say it for the state that they live in. And then they, obviously they say it for the United States of America. And we live in a kind of a blue city within a red state. So no, there's not drag queens everywhere. Their teachers are great. They, I have their cell phone numbers. I can text them, hey, how's daughter doing? How's my son doing? What do we need to do for homework? How did their test go? The teachers text me back same day. Oh yeah, it's great. You know, we're going to do this community thing. If you want to show up to the church or whatever, hang out at the, they're the soccer coaches. They're the school teachers. They're the driver's ed instructors. Like it's, it's America. Like it's, not <laughs> this, you know, middle school fight club, TikTok series, you know what I mean? Where the kids are like yeah. punching out the teachers and they're like macing them over their cell phone and stuff. It's just not like that. No, I'm sure it is in Baltimore or whatever, but it's Mm -hmm. just not where I'm at. And I think I came from a school where the teachers that I had taught my parents. They were the same teachers. You know, Mr. Fogel knew who, you know, my mom was. And I could say, hey, I taught your mom and I taught you and I taught your sister and I taught your brother. And those schools where it's real small, tight knit, just a regular old public school, those schools are still around. And Mm -hmm. yes, you have to be intentional in finding those places, but there's a reason you go on Zillow and there's a like, oh, this is a five out of five school rating or this is a 4.8 and there's all the reviews from the Karen moms and you can read through them all. And if you put in the work, you can surely find a public school that's going to fit your needs. Now, granted, you might have to pay a little bit more property tax. Mm -hmm. sucks you know taxation is theft but it is what it is you know you you (laughs) gotta pay it and and i'm okay with paying it if my kids are saying the pledge of allegiance every day you know
2: like Mm -hmm. i'm fine with
1: that so no public schools are not as much of a house game there are some of course but i don't understand why people complain but they can't just pull their kids out and move or and and now granted i have a luxury that most people don't have which is The military tells me where to live, but then it's Mm -hmm. my onus to say where in that community I want to live. Right. So, I and, and if the military tells me to pick up my life and move it somewhere else, then I have no other choice. But guess what choice I do have? That is, where's the best place for my family? Where's the best neighborhood? Where's the best lowest crime? Where's the best school? All those things should be a factor in every human being's, you know, calculus as to where they want to be. And if you value your, children's education and and homeschooling isn't an option or you don't want to do it and charter schools private schools public schools in small rural towns I mean a lot of red states are doing more school choice there's there's tons of options
0: yeah yeah I mean I went to public school and I think I turned out pretty decent um yeah. I do have some interesting stories on the subject so uh, the one thing that comes to mind is you see all this about like LGBTQ stuff, drag queens, furries. I don't know if you know what a furry is. I kind of hope you don't.
1: Yeah, okay.
0: I, do. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> I've been around that... <laughs> Like. And I used to
1: be degenerate. Remember? Those right. are the best people.
0: Right, right, right. I remember in high school that it was like the first time a girl was a furry. We didn't even know what that meant at the time. And she didn't like dress up or anything. It's just that when her name was called for attendance, she would meow and she mm. wouldn't like break into laughter or giggle. She like literally would meow and we're like, dude, that's weird. What are you doing? Like it wasn't right. accepted or cool or in vogue or anything. And it was only like five years ago. So, I mean, I'm sure it's devolved, but can't be that much. High school is probably another beast. I will say yes.
2: though,
0: that yes. um, I worked at a tutoring clinic and they would hire seniors in high school to do the tutoring. And bar none, it was always public school seniors tutoring private school sophomore and juniors. Like it was the smart kids from public school tutoring rich kids from private schools. Mm. So if you are motivated, ambitious, and smart enough, you will be able to succeed in a lot of different environments. As long as it's safe, as long as there's books you can learn as a kid.
1: I, I agree. And and honestly, now all this to say, it's funny because I'm gonna be honest because um we are moving our school to a charter school. Mm. So my kids were in a public school their their whole lives. Um Now, granted, we also lived in Japan where the public schools are super legit because it's like half Japanese, half American. Oh, that's cool. I mean, it's it's in a, in the Japanese run like a super tight ship, and they all sit, you know, crisscross applesauce at right, the I floor and videos. do the- <laughs> so they that's how they started then they got to america and they're like oh this is different but it's still not bad but we are putting them in a charter school just for a little added um just really honestly if i'm going to be honest and this is going to get me slaughtered but the public school that, that my kids went to was great but all they did was learn on computers it was like go mm. oh, this schoology website and go to this application and run this video and then learn the lesson and This charter school is specifically like no computers. It's just pencil and paper and chalk and a teacher. And that's the experience that I wanted for my children versus just like, hey, watch this video and figure Mm -hmm. it out. And so that's why we moved. Um, They haven't started yet. They'll start in the fall, obviously. But I I have high hopes. Mm -hmm. But obviously, you know, we went and we met with the dean and we talked to the, the assistant principal. and We toured the school like normal adults should do. Like you can do all these things and, and put your kids in a school that you feel is going to meet their needs or you got to do the research.
0: Was it difficult to get into the charter school or how, what was that process like?
1: So they had to do like a test, like a, a pre-test to see where they're at. Um, my kids were kind of bored, not, not super bored, but they were, they were doing well and kind of wanting a little bit more. So I was just teaching them like, you know, not rocket science or, Metaphysics or anything, but I was just go, you know, teaching him a little bit more. And uh, my son is really taken to math and chess, oddly enough. Um, he's not Andrew Tate, but um, so he's Sometimes. really into that kind of stuff, yeah. Right. And and my daughter's more of the sports, but this school has both uh, academics and athletics, so it, it ends up being a good fit for us. But they took a test, they scored decent, they didn't blow it out of the water, but they didn't vomit. And the school was like, Yeah, we'll, we'll take them. So. I'm looking forward to. It.
0: Yeah, I just thought I was a little bit confused because growing up, I thought there was like lotteries for charters that may have just been in certain states. Um, certain states, for sure. That's how it is in certain states. Okay, but now in some, in for some charter schools, you take a test and have to get in.
1: Yep, and ah. and it's school choice. So, uh, even though we live outside the the area, we can still. They don't want to do buses or anything, so we have to to pick them up and drop them off. But
0: right, right, right. Um, so anybody yeah. that wants to go to that school that took the test and got a high enough score could go to that school there's yeah no and then I you see.
1: obviously there's a wait list for class size got and it. Well. so if you got it uh, like I think my son started like 44th on the list when we filled it out after the school year ended and then uh, we just got the call a couple of weeks ago to go in and test because he got up to I think like 10 on the wait list and I
0: see.
1: now he's in so but I yes see. states I mean that this brings us back to politics school choices is a pretty good deal for kids that want to, you know, go to these charter schools or private schools or Montessori schools, things like that.
0: Got it. Okay. That's really interesting because my, uh, my roommate was a teacher and she would say that it makes sense economically for school choice. And as a free market capitalist myself, I think it makes a lot of sense. You create a market for schools. The good schools will have all the kids flowing into them. The money will go there and the bad schools will close down but she would make the argument that kids that are still trapped in the bad school for whatever reason their parents won't drive them the parents won't take the effort to put their name on the waiting list anything like that they suffer i don't know if that's you've seen anything like that like schools closing down really bad schools nearby or has it only been like a positive thing school choice
1: well, so demographics play a role. Um, nobody's going to deny that. Um, socioeconomic status plays a role. Not going to deny that either. But kind of the situation that I'm in is a win for the state, meaning that I pay my property tax and my property tax goes only to the public school in my area
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you know other town projects and whatnot. But most of the tax that I pay goes to that school. But my kids don't attend that school. The charter school gets no public money it's all private. So it's donors, endowments, blah, 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 things of that nature. We pay a small tuition. That's like, quote unquote, suggested, we don't even really have to pay, they just kind of ask, like, if you'd like to donate, we ask that you pay (laughs) $2,000. Like, it's just one of those kind of deals. But so I pay, you know, my exorbitant property tax to the state or to the city, it goes to the public school, but then I don't even put my kids there. So the schools just getting money for free for me right. so i mean i don't i don't really see it as a bad thing personally but, yeah. and, but once again the free market states hey even though the public money for the public school is getting those dollars if the charter school still edges out in some areas and parents want to make that case then they pull their kids out and they put them in the charter school
0: right i still think i'm on your team i haven't been convinced by the other argument either i have to bring this up i was reading one of Thomas Sowell's book and he made this argument for school choice and there was a charter school somewhere and they noticed that the, the demographics of the school were a little bit more, you know, predominantly rich, predominantly white, and they didn't know what was happening. It was a raffle system and they found that certain groups were less likely to put, or I'm sorry, it wasn't that the demographics were different. It was that the kids were excelling more. So it seemed like there were smarter kids in the charter school But really what was happening is the parents that were invested in their school and their students, their kids were signing them up for the raffle. So it was like a proxy for that. And so that's why it seemed like the charter schools were doing so, so well. It's because the parents were super invested or something like that. I just thought it was interesting.
1: Well, it turns uh, out, right. The moral of that story is that it turns out is that you don't have to put too much of a barrier in front of humans where they'll start to self-select, right? And then you can make all these hypotheses about it. But at the end of the day, if you put the tiniest barrier in front of somebody and then they choose to overcome it for their kids, for themselves, for whatever, then those people are going to tend to rise above the the mean. Yep. So it just I don't know.
0: Totally. Never underestimate the power of inconvenience. I Thank you f- for
1: sure. For yeah. sure.
0: Um just cognizant of time here. One thing I really want to talk about that we didn't get to last time, which is one of the core things that you discuss on your channel is your channel on your Twitter feed is you know raising a special needs child. And so I'd love to hear about the moment that you realized or the process that you went through to find out the issue that was happening with your child. Because I remember you tweeting about it and it's something that you diagnosed. Other doctors wouldn't really give you any information on it. And then what has it been like? Raising your special needs child.
1: Cognizant of time. This is going to take a while. So I'll try to give you the, the <laughs> short story. But basically. Um, every parent knows. Kind of what. What. You just have a, like a sense. An internal kind of sense. Call it intuition. Whatever. Right. When my twins were born. It was child number three and child number four, right? So I had a pretty good idea of what a bowtie dad and a Mrs. Bowtie dad baby was supposed to look like. I had three examples. um, My special one's older twin. And then my son and my daughter. So I had three examples of what the facial structure was supposed to look like. The shape of the head, the color of the eyes, things like that. And I, I'm telling you, when I looked at my child, it looked like something was wrong. And I didn't know how to verbalize it. I didn't know how to articulate it, except for very plainly, I would tell the doctors, like, doc, there's something wrong with my kid. Like, you know, the, the eyes are too far apart and the nose is, is odd and the forehead's like really pronounced, you know, like, please, can you... Can you look into it. And they just kept saying, no, your child's fine. Now, granted, she's not fine. She's literally in the NICU. Mm. She's hooked up to ventilators and this insulin pump because she couldn't regulate her insulin. Like, it's not like she was this perfect baby anyways. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of just asking the doctors, like, can you run another test? Like, is there something you can do? And they just kept telling me, like, no, dude, it's fine. Like, we're going to get her healthy. All twins go to the NICU. All twins are premature. All twins kind of prioritize one twin over the other in the womb as far as blood and and nutrition. And so I'm just like, yeah, man, I'm not buying it. So I'm Googling everything under the sun. You know, I look up Down syndrome. I look up autism. I look up, you know, um, uh, cerebral palsy, these kinds of things. And I'm just like, yeah, it's, it's, she has some of these facial features, but not others. And I couldn't I couldn't nail it down right I, I just couldn't nail it down but I would be I would be watching her eat in the NICU and I would be holding her and her like eyes would just like roll back into her head and she would be doing these like twitching motions and stuff and be feeling real tense in my arms and and I would ask the nurses like several times like, hey you know is there something going on is she okay and can you just kind of watch her and, and let me know what you think and every single time they just kept saying, Oh, it's just baby ticks, it's it's newborn stuff, and and I, I like like I said, I, this is child number four. Like I understand what it's supposed to be like, and this just was different. And uh so we were in Japan, uh 45 days or so went by in the NICU, they just could not get her blood sugar regulated, her body just would not produce enough insulin to or it was producing hyper insulinemia so way too much insulin it was driving her blood glucose down like in the floor so they basically said japan was like hey we don't really have a specialist that can really speak english and we don't know what the deal is and the endocrinologist is in hawaii so um or the nephrologist and all the specialties were in hawaii so they they they. I literally came in. They said, hey, you're, you're leaving tonight on an airplane. Go home, pack a bag, come back. So we, we went and packed a backpack and a duffel bag. I shit you not, I left my truck in the parking lot. Um, my wife had like some frozen bags of, of breast milk. And we my kid was loaded up in like a pressurized chamber. Um, mm. And it was an entire C-17 with just my child and the staff, the medical staff in it. Like,
2: wow!
1: I mean, this plane is designed to carry four hundred thousand pounds or a wow. close total full weight, and it, all it had was like my little three pound premature baby and, and that to me was like, you know. A, a, a side note: people are like, "Oh, sure, Dad, why do you stay in?" And I'm like, "Well, that's what the Air Force did for my family. Mm.
2: You know, that's
1: what they did for me. They they saved my kid's life. Now, granted it." It didn't turn out hundred percent, but so we go to Hawaii, they evacuate us to Hawaii and, uh, we get to the NICU there and same thing. Like she's just, she's doing these tick things. She's not really, her facial features haven't really changed. She's still kind of, her eyes are rolling and she's real like nervous and her eyes are wide open all the time. And she's just kind of, it seems like she's in distress and,
2: mm.
1: and, uh, I kept bringing it up. They eventually released her from the NICU, and then when we took her home, uh, not home, we were living in a hotel in Hawaii, but we took her back to the room, and we we just started Googling again, and it was turns out that she was having seizures. So we videotaped it, and we, and we ended up taking her to the emergency room the day, the day that she was released from the NICU. We noticed the seizures. We recorded it. We bring her to the emergency room. The doc's like, yeah, dude, those are seizures. Like, thanks for bringing her in. Let's give her this medication. So they gave her some meds, uh, monitored for 24 hours. Then they sent her back home. She still continued to have seizures in spite of that medication. So then we brought her back. And that's when the the docs were like, man, she really shouldn't still be having seizures. Like, there's something up. So that's when they started running genetic tests. Well, they ran the genetic tests and uh, and They, the doctor, the neurologist was like, yeah, we ran the panel. Um, It's probably going to come back with like infantile epilepsy, just like, you know, chronic seizures for kids. So I'm like, okay, cool. And I'm in the doctor and, and uh, we're going for like a routine checkup. It's just me and, and her, my wife's at the house with the other three kids. And I say, Hey, doctor, those, those uh, genetic results come back. And I'll never forget it. He clicked on his little computer. He opened up the link and he just like turned like white as a ghost. And he looked at me and he said, Hey, sir, like I need to go back to my office to kind of look something up. Do you want to sit in the room or do you want to wait in the waiting room? What do you want to do? And I could, you know, I'm not stupid. And I so I just like, Oh, I'll I'll wait here. And that like 15, 20 minutes, I was just like, I'll never forget all the thoughts going through my head. Like what's going on, you know? And, so he comes back in, he says, hey, your child has what's called Schuers-Koichmaker syndrome. And obviously, I've never heard of that. And I said, well, what is it? He's like, well, it's, it's um, you know, moderate. It's funny, the medical terms. It's like, she'll have model, moderate intellectual disability and uh, moderate physical disabilities. And I'm like, okay, what is, like, I'm thinking moderate, you know, I'm a half-class Glass half full kind of guy I'm thinking moderate it's like not bad right and he's like well moderates, you know it's it's you know it's like so finally I was like doc stop I'm like stop I don't know what you're talking about the only thing I know is like down syndrome I said can you put it into like terms of down syndrome that's the only really thing I have experience with and I'll never forget it he looked me in the face and he said you wish your child had down syndrome and I was, like, I couldn't even, oh I couldn't even, like, I didn't, he, he probably didn't understand what he said. Maybe he did. I don't know. I'm not going to critique the guy's character. I don't know. But I'll just, I mean, I just dropped. My, my heart sank. My stomach dropped. I just, I didn't know what to do. And so I I get back in the truck and I call my wife. I said, you know, honey, they you know, they said she has this syndrome. And of course, I'm just like blowing up Google. And there's nothing, there's nothing on Google about this disease. There's only like 200 patients in the world. And they only discovered it in like 2012. So it's not even old enough to really have like a full patient profile, case profile, like, it doesn't really have all those things. But what it has, there's like one or two websites out there. And and basically what it boils down to is she will cognitively be roughly a 18 month old to two and a half year old her for her entire life. Um, and that bleeds into the physical piece as well. So a lot of special needs, um, they're either like cognitively affected or physically. This one's kind of both. So it's a little unique. So like walking is going to be a struggle fine motor skills is a struggle um she was just recently diagnosed with cerebral palsy as well and uh so that's that's kind of what we got so so i knew something was wrong i kept telling the doctors about it they kind of blew me off and and then finally they ran the tests and the genetic panel came back and and now here we are so Obviously, that was like, what is life going to be like? What is it going to look like? What does, and that's kind of where I started to like spiral, right? So when you, when, you know, when every parent, when they have a child, they have these thoughts of what this child is going to be like from day one, you know, you're like, oh, my kid's going to be a rocket scientist and a doctor and a lawyer and, A professional football player and all these things and then when you get a diagnosis like this it's almost like it's almost like experiencing a death like I'm not going to be sitting here and saying that our experience was the same as the death of a child I I can't comprehend that but in a sense the child that you thought you were going to have is no longer yes so now you have to go through that process of like okay what is this child's life going to look like now And then how does it affect me? So, you know, every dad has this dream of, you know, my kids are out of the house. They're doing great. I visit the grandkids and I play 18 holes every day after, you know, I'm retired and every dad has that kind of picture, but that's not, that picture is gone for me. That will never be a thing. You know, my daughter will be dependent on me for everything forever. And we're just starting to really feel that impacts, you know, like I feel like I've moved on from it. And then something like this happens to where my wife has to go to Idaho to see her dad. And I can't take the special one because she's got the feeding tube and the pump. And she can't really, there's certain things she just can't do. You know, she doesn't travel really well. So you're constantly going through this process of like, you get a feeling like things are being taken from you. And that's one way to look at it right? That's, that's the toxic way to look at it. But what I've kind of chosen to do, and and really Twitter is kind of like my outlet for this, is I've chosen to see it a different way in that I am here to now serve my daughter, serve my family, but then also help other people that are going through the same thing. It's like I went down the spiral, right? I went to the to the rock bottom and drinking myself to death and gained a bunch of weight and was just in a bad spot mentally and then I pulled myself out and it continues to be a challenge as far as living my life with my daughter and and how that plays into our family but it's it's something that I think I've finally got a handle on and uh, I'm I'm now at the point to where I want to kind of help others and so I kind of use Twitter to do that so I know it kind of seems like I'm always, you know, I guess airing my laundry or whatever on Twitter, but I'm really just kind of trying to put the message out there to other people like, hey, it can be done. Like you can have these things and you can do these things in your, and even in spite of every challenge. And then on top of that, you know, my daughter, like it can, you can still have a life and you can still be fulfilled and you can still find joy and have peace and have a beautiful family. And, like, I now know through her that, like, I, I get, I have become a better human being because of her in my life. You know, I've become more empathetic. I've become more patient. I've become more kind. I've become all these positive traits I've become more of because of her. So I can't, I can't be mad about it. Like I'm just over that part, but, and I'm not saying it's forever, you know, something can change and it can always be worse. And and I just try to look at the bright side of things, but um, it has changed my life forever. And there is no more me anymore. There's no more, uh, there's no more light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, as far as retiring off into the sunset, you know, and I now have to make sure that she's set and that I have things in place to where when we die, my wife and I, she goes to her siblings and has a trust and has assets and has, mm-hmm. and she's going to need a single story home and she's going to need
2: mm-hmm.
1: incontinent supplies and, and all of these things. And now that's my, that's my why, so to speak, as far as how I live my life. And so it just, it's made me better. It's made me more driven and it's made me, um, it's improved my life in so many ways, but it's also, you know, it's a lot of work. So that's kind of the, the short, short story of it.
0: Well, I think it's an incredible comparison to what we were talking about earlier with people who have kids and the kids are kind of an afterthought to their lives. They're like fancy pieces of furniture. They're fun things to talk to on the weekends, but they are not the center of their lives. Whereas you and your wife have sacrificed a version of your lives for your kids. It's an amazingly admirable thing to do. And I love that you mentioned like that you have been you have become bettered by this this event. It's not like you're just helping her. She's helping you too. Still like there's still beauty and all those types of things. And I have to be honest, like, I do these podcasts after work. and so, I just finished up work and I'm logging on. I'm excited for the discussion, but this feels a little bit different to me. Like this feels like my world's a little, like there's a little bit more air in my lungs, a little bit more of a, a shift that I feel than just talking to someone. Like this is really having an impact on me. Um, So I just think it's like such a special thing and I appreciate you sharing it.
1: No, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to try not to reciprocate your emotions, but I, I you know, we, we talk a lot about being these tough, you know, alpha males. And I just, that little girl has just broken me down. You know, she's, she's shown me the worst and the best of myself. And if I can, if I can kind of take that and help other people, like I'll be all right. You know, and I, and I still have my, my career and and my marriage and my my other children, and you know, I I don't want to make it all doom and gloom, but, I think there's something positive there and I think that she is um, she's going to have an impact beyond what, you know, anybody thought as far as her, her impact towards others. And I, and I truly believe that. And, and uh, you know, I used to get real hung up on how are my other three kids. Right. So, right. you know, every parent has a constant kind of. uh feel for how their other kids are doing and I always was like man I really don't want my children to be resentful of of Mm -hmm. my special one because you know it's not their fault you know it's not their fault that she's sick and it's not their fault that we might not all be able to go to the volleyball tournaments or not all be able to go to the soccer games right but I'll tell you what Connor like my kids are they're so caring to that little girl and the things they do for her. And if they just get a small, tiny percentage of what they do for her and how they feel about her and they apply that to their own lives and how they treat other people when they go out into the real world, like, I think they will be all right. So I can't get too hung up about how they feel about the whole situation because at the end of the day, they're positively affected by it as well. If you could just kind of maintain that frame and and let them feel their feelings for sure, but also talk them through it like, hey, this isn't her choice, this isn't our choice, but but she's our she's ours, she's your sister, and and this is what we do. And I can't help but think my kids will be better adjusted because of that. I
0: have to agree. I have to agree. Okay, we got through that.
1: Woo!
0: Um well. This has been such a great discussion, as I mentioned before. I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, come on to the show and talk about it. So for those who are listening, uh, where would you like to direct them right now?
1: Well, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Bow-tied Daddy at BowtiedDaddy. Not <laughs> proud of it. Not proud of it. But it is. Dad was taken. Sorry, Dad was taken. <laughs> Daddy, Uh, So, (laughs) So, follow me there uh call me whatever you want i don't care (laughs) um but seriously though i appreciate the platform i love what you're doing um keep it up i think you can be everything you want to be and you can have everything you want to have and i'm not just saying that i'm not but i think that you have the intelligence and i think you have the work ethic and i think you have kind of like a grounded perspective on what you want so it's good it's i get just as much out of talking to you as you do me. So I appreciate it. And I'm more than happy to come back on. uh, Thanks again for having me. It's a pleasure.
0: Absolutely. Thank you again. Thank you so much for listening. This has been yet another episode of Common Sense. If you liked the conversation, please consider hitting that follow button on Spotify. Oh, and tell everyone you've ever met to do the same. And while you're feeling generous, why not subscribe to my YouTube channel? I promise I've ridiculed at least one of the identity groups you dislike. You have a great day now.